Welcome to a new Paradigm of Education podcast. I'm your host, Monique Sayers, and today we have a very special guest with us. His name is Richard Dunn, and he's from the Harmony Project. Before I go ahead and introduce Richard, I'd like to introduce our podcast for those of you that are tuning in. A New Paradigm of Education is a global vision for the world. It's a place where change makers, co-creators, parents, educators, mentors, anybody who's caring about the future of education all, hand, all, all holds hands together and walks and decides, well, what is this place for a new paradigm of education and how can we take footsteps together? So in saying that, welcome today, Richard. It's so lovely to have you with us. Great to be here. I'll just introduce Richard. So Richard is the founder and director of the Harmony Project. Uh, in his previous role as the headmaster of an Otsfred's graded outstanding school, he developed a curriculum of learning, which is inspired by nature's principles of harmony, which I am so inspired to find out about. Richard now shares his new way of learning across the education sector in the UK and also around the world. He helps people like us, teachers, students alike, to see the importance of putting harmony principles and sustainable practices into the heart of all learning. So, Richard, <laughs> there's so much I want to ask you. Where do I begin? I guess I'd like to begin with Harmony Project. I'm sure everybody out there is curious, well, what is this Harmony Project? How did it come about? And why Harmony? Why did you even choose Harmony as its name? Well, Monique, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And uh, Harmony is a very interesting concept and idea. And I think if we were to ask people what they think of when they think of Harmony, they probably relate it to music and a sound that is very beautiful with everything working together. And the work of Harmony for me and, and in relation to education came from a book actually written by the Prince of Wales, so the now King of England. And it was a fascinating read and he charts the history of civilization, of traditions, of cultures and religions and so on. And how there's been this deep understanding of our need to, I suppose, live in in harmonious relationship with our world and that when we look to the natural world we see a system that ultimately is about balance and working uh, together it's about the relationships that enable a system to be in balance so I was fascinated by this book and reading it but it's quite a big book it's you know several hundred pages long and it's quite an intense text and I was thinking well you know I'm I'm working with children so it needs to be simple and easy to understand so uh, over a period of time, I was looking at how to translate this big concept, this almost this, this philosophy of harmony into accessible ways of learning for children. That's amazing. Thank you. And I'd, I'd really love to know a little bit more further about that. So you, you're saying the concept of harmony, um, applying that with children. So then, therefore, how does that happen or how does that even work? So I think the first step was to just try and distill down this big message into these principles. So I was looking at the principles that were being explained and, and explored through the book and um, and to create a set of principles that we could use in, in a school or in an education setting. So I was looking at these principles, which are then they're not rocket science, they're things that we'll all be aware of. Principles of cycles, that natural systems are cyclical. So that enables them to be sustainable. There's no waste in nature. Everything feeds back into the system. Principles of diversity. So, you know, we're hopefully good at recognizing diversity in each other and valuing the, 
that we have difference and that's a good thing. It helps us to be resilient and stronger when we have this diversity. And then of course you can look at diversity in terms of biodiversity and the importance of sustaining biodiversity in a system to ensure it, it can keep going basically. So getting children to look at diversity in each other and in the world and, and looking at ways to value that. And then we might take another principle like adaptation and evolution and the fact that nature is constantly adapting and evolving to enable it to work in its place. So how do we adapt learning to our place and how do we learn from nature? Things like biomimicry about adaptation. So once we had these principles, then it was uh, about looking at how projects of learning could link to principles of harmony and how through a project you could start to explore the principle. Uh, you might take, for example, an ocean ecosystem and look at the principle of interdependence and how it all works together. And then you can look at human impact and coral bleaching and plastic pollution and look at how we're undermining that. So for every project, there's a principle of harmony. And then on the other side, which we can maybe explore in a moment, there's this sustainability practice, something that students or children do to start to live more sustainably. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Evolution is definitely one of my favorite words that we can apply to education. And I believe in a new paradigm of education. This is one of the keys um, is that we are evolving and the curriculum or the even the non-curriculum, whatever we want to call it, is also evolving so that it's applicable to now and, and to the future. So I just I love um meeting people like yourself who are also on the same page and the same path of evolution in terms of education. And Yes, I, I totally wholeheartedly agree with nature. I feel like there's um, such a balance that can be hel helpful for children, even emotionally being outside. It's just so good for their regulation, you know, and I feel like that is definitely the key of better learning. It's just a smart way of learning, isn't it? Just to be out in nature. Very much. And I think we have this constant tension, almost challenge between the standards agenda, you know, the testing the core learning, making sure our children can do all those core skills of reading and writing and their maths and so on. And we know that's incredibly important, but we have to get a balance between that. And then, as you say, the the time in nature, the time to be outside to to be well. And, you know, we have so many issues around mental health right now, uh, of course, compounded by things like the, the COVID pandemic. And, and for young people particularly, it's a really challenging time. We've got, you know, the climate crisis. We've got all the, all the crises of the world that are, you know, just weighing quite heavily on us. And therefore, the, the time to regulate, as you say, it's a great word. To go out in nature, to go for a walk, to learn in nature, just to be in nature is such an important thing. And I think we have to make time for that. Otherwise, we can end up just sitting in a classroom as a young person potentially being a bit bored by our learning hopefully not but it can happen and it often does and um and then you start to disengage and you become disconnected from the rhythms the cycles of life and of course all that awe and wonder uh, in fact just before i came on this call i was watching a starling murmuration i don't know if you've seen a murmuration of starlings it's just the most incredible thing of thousands and thousands of starling birds um performing a, almost like a dance in the sky and it's just the most incredible thing. You see them often here in, in England in the winter. And uh, yeah, just having that time to appreciate nature is so important. 
that reminds me of the principle of internet interconnectivity you know everything's related and learning as a team and co-creating as a team and I feel like that's also part of a new paradigm is where we're all co-creating and collaborating just like these birds are naturally doing and they've just been doing and they will be continuing to do it just makes sense doesn't it it doesn't make sense to be going it alone anymore and especially for children it, it makes sense for them to be learning in community style projects and I'd love to hear more about how your project actually unfolds in terms of the community as well. Well, it's a really good point because, again, you know, a lot of our learning, as you say, it can be very competitive. It's an individual score against someone else. It's about, you know, the test score and the data. And yet, actually, we know that in life, if we're going to be successful, it's about relationships. It's about how we get on with each other, how we work well together, how we value each other's contributions to whatever project or task we are are involved with and I think another element to that is this community bit that you highlight and how do we find opportunities to bring people from our community into our schools or even better sometimes to go out into those communities we have so many experts in our communities people who have great knowledge and understanding of things and they love to share that and and of course you have that then that intergenerational element of older people and younger people communicating and young people always have this you know children have a just a fantastic awareness of things and they say things that always surprise you because they see it through a particular lens maybe so there's just this lovely dialogue that begins to open up I remember a story of um, a child who was about five years old making a wooden toy for Christmas for someone and we linked into a secondary school a high school and the boy who was working with this child, he was 17, 18. He was doing his, you know, at the end of his his school life. And um, and he was the teacher. And this child was walking down the street, street a few days later and saw this guy. You know, he was about six foot four, huge. And he she said hello to him. And her mother was really shocked and said, like, you know, what are you doing speaking to this guy? And she said, oh, he was my teacher. He taught me how to make a wooden toy. And it was just such a lovely moment that that child who was, you know, just beginning to go into the world and explore things and learn was getting this lovely rapport with someone much older who was helping and and helping with the exploration of that learning. Thank you for sharing that, Richard. Yeah, that really makes sense to me. I've had stories like that myself as a teacher as well. And I've also had myself encounter that with other teachers. So I'm sure we can all relate um, to that inter interconnectivity. Again, that same word, isn't it? You know, that we're not separate. Um, I read about your project and you talk a lot about nature that we're not there to read about nature. You know, we're there to be immersed in nature. So I'd love to know, like, if I was to enter your project, how would I be immersed in nature or how does it even sort of unfold for a teacher or for a student? Could you walk us through that? Yes. Well, I think a lot of our learning, and if you look at a curriculum or a national curriculum in any country around the world, we'll be learning about nature. So there are sort of objectives that you have to meet or, or tick off around learning about nature and I think that the next stage of that is then to learn in nature so how can we actually go beyond the classroom and bring that learning to life and give it a vitality and a dynamic by actually being in it and experiencing it so you have lovely projects like forest school where children are taken into nature and have learning experiences in that natural world 
And then I think what we're saying is, uh, as a third dimension with the Harmony Project is, but what can we learn from nature? So while we're outside there, and you, you, know, you reference the interconnectivity of, of the natural world and life, let's just see how things work together. Uh, let's understand them and let's ask ourselves, what is this world of nature, wherever we are, whether it's on a beach or in an ocean world, or whether it's in a forest or a woodland, or even outside our home or our, in our community, uh, what are we seeing at work here? And what is it telling us? So we're trying to, I suppose, um, encourage those who work in education to think of opportunities where they can consciously take that learning out of a textbook and put it into a practical context. And I think this combination of academic head-based learning and practical hand-based hands-on learning is really important. And if we are too head-based, that's when we become very disconnected. And I suppose what I see a lot right now is that we're too much in our head. And how do we put it more into a, in, an embodied experience? And, and again, it's this word of balance. We're not saying it's one extreme or the other. It's about finding the balance between the two. Exactly. And it's nothing new. That's what's amazing. Like, I feel like it's treated as kind of a new topic, but it's really not like you look back to all the greats of education that we've all studied, you know, in our university, you know, Bloom's, Bloom's Taxonomy, Maslow, you know, there's all these different forms of wheels that all express education as a wheel. And, you know, obviously, one part of it is intellectual, but you've also got social, emotional, intellectual, environmental, you know, the list goes on and on. It depends on which person you're following and which one you want to create yourself. I've often myself um, created my own versions of what I believe is, is essential, but that also changes every day, depending on, you know, which child I am with as well. It's not a set, a set model as such. So how do you even and create a set model for education but I totally hear you and I resonate with what you're saying 100% around um, us needing diversity in education and I'm really grateful to meet with people like you that are actually really doing it like you're just out there really really creating and co-creating with so many people as well so it's amazing <laughs> thank you for that thank you yeah and I think this you know this word education is about drawing out uh, that's that's its latin origin yeah. So how are we drawing out learning? And, you know, I, I really like the whole inquiry-based approach and asking questions. I mean, there are times when, as a teacher, we are informing um, our children. We're giving them information that helps them to understand things better. But I think it's great just to ask good questions. And, and children, if they have that culture, will, of course, as they do so well, they'll start to ask their own questions. And then you build that that journey and another sort of definition of, of words here is this word curriculum, which is a course or a journey, like a river course. So when you're learning through a curriculum, it should have that lovely sense of journey. And you don't necessarily know exactly where it's going to take you. And as a teacher, you'll be aware of where you're thinking it's going to go. But actually, there can be moments where you're quite surprised by the direction it starts to go in. And I suppose you know, there's always that confidence about, you know, am I prepared to allow this, <laughs> allow this to unfold in a way that maybe wasn't quite how I planned it. So, you know, I've seen teachers who are really, really diligent on planning, almost to the point where they're, you know, they're referencing their planning document for every minute of every lesson. And then I see other teachers who are, have a framework, and are then willing to just explore it within that, that guiding frame. And um, and it's very interesting to see 
what happens. And just sort of one other anecdote on that. I think when you observe very controlled lessons, what you get then is children go out, say, into the playground and they kind of really need to let off steam. And they're almost hyper and uh, and maybe a bit over the top because they've had to hold it in and be controlled. And of course, you know, control is an important thing. But actually, if they have opportunities to even to move um, and coming back to the collaborative bit to actually engage with things uh, rather than just sit rigid in a in a particular place, uh, I think it has knock on impacts, positive and, and negative. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. I hear you on that. And uh, yeah, I believe also if the learning is controlled, it's also not allowing the brain to process um, further information because there's so much else that could come through that maybe isn't inside of the box but it's a great answer and it could be used for something else in life I've had that in math some students give me these amazing answers and it's like this most brilliant answer I sit there and I'm like wow and then I'm like but you know what this question they want you to give a number <laughs> they give me this beautiful story and they make up all this other stuff that goes with it and I just allow that to happen I'm like yep that's beautiful that's beautiful and then what if we had to make it into a number and they're like oh <laughs> and I just love at that stage of their development that they haven't considered that it has to be a certain way. And I don't ever try and change that because I just think it's brilliant and it could be used for, you know, um, creating new things that people haven't even imagined, you know, because they're not following the certain way. So, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I'll ask you some stuff about your project again. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Did you want to say something else? No, just just that. I think that's such a key message because where we're going now, you know, we have all these challenges that we're facing and where we go now will need new thinking. It will need new ideas, new perspectives, new ways of looking at what's possible. So I think you're absolutely right. If it's too controlled, we we don't allow for that. So we have to to get that right. So we we give opportunities for that kind of thinking to be opened up for the imagination to create new thinking and ideas. Uh, it's going to be really important for our future. Yes, it's already happening as well. I'm seeing it more and more. It's it's really brilliant. There's so many teachers and educators, parents, everybody who's you know concerned with education has already started this, and it makes me so excited. Just small steps at home, small steps in the classroom. It's it's brilliant. Um, I wanted to ask you about this joined up learning. Um, you wanted to discuss with me what it, you know more about joined up learning. I'd love to know about that. Well, I think we have, for the most part, we have a curriculum and a way of learning that is very subject specific. Mm -hmm. And of course, lots of people will say, therefore, it's siloed. It's one lesson to the next to the next. And there's not a, a continuity or or, or a, a link between one area of learning and another. And, you know, it, we all would believe that subject skills and knowledge and, uh, and an understanding of particular subject areas is important. But I'm really interested in how the starting point is the actual theme or the project focus, the inquiry maybe, and how we really consciously bring that learning together in those subject areas into that specific focus, that specific uh, project. So I, I think if we start from the point of view of what's the project we want to learn about, and of course with younger children, that's often how you begin anyway, and then you explore with them what are the things we want to learn and you start to build from there. And then the skill of, of really good teachers is to say, OK, now let's match where we want to go with this project of learning to the subject skills and knowledge. We know there'll be elements that are discrete, 
you know, if you need to know your spellings or your tables, you, you probably have to do that discreetly. But actually, the more joined up, the more systemic the learning is, uh, the be I, I think the better. And, you know, if we look to the natural world, and I, I suppose this is what the Harmony Project is trying to say, that Harmony is seeing learning in nature and saying, how does it learn to work well? And of course, natural systems are self-regulating, self self-managing they they do it without a teacher telling them what to do kind of thing so it's really lovely to see how a system works and then how we can make our learning work in a systemic way and and then of course it just makes sense mm, it makes 100 percent sense to me like this is the evolution of education um is actually the ancientness you know of the world the mystery of the world and nature is there it's there always for us to turn to and that is a system that we can always turn to it's always processing it's always it's always doing its its same thing and unless there's a disaster or something you know but like it's it's amazing to be following this as um as a principle for learning and i really loved how you you've already mentioned it that you've created some principles and i was reading about one of your principles i was like wow i love how he's included geometry or sacred geometry as one of your aspects because that links to maths and it's so fascinating that snowflakes and flowers and everything is following these um amazing principles that, that students can physically see and touch and smell and play with but also be learning at the same time yeah geometry is a really lovely aspect of this work and as you say, it brings in lots of aspects of maths and shape, but but often we don't see geometry in terms of nature. We see it in terms of a maths concept that you learn about uh, and you'll do in your in your exercise book. Whereas actually when children start to look at the patterns and the proportions and the symmetries of of different creatures and and and, and plant life as well in nature, it's just a really lovely thing. And I think the other thing is when they start to learn geometry. They learn to create beauty in in often very simple ways. And we all feel like you were saying earlier, when you when you're in nature, you tend to feel well. And similarly, when you create beauty, like doing a geometry activity, you also have this lovely sense of well-being. So when you watch children learning how to create something with geometry, something from nature, they often have a lovely calmness about them. It's almost like a mindful activity. Of course, if it's going wrong, they might be a bit frustrated. But if you go into a class where children are learning geometry, there's this this lovely calm and this sort of focus. And and they start to observe things and notice things and pay real attention to detail. So it's a really great activity in lots of different ways. And I think when we see this happening more and more, they start to become more observant in the world around them. They start to notice, as you were saying, snowflake patterns they may not look at a snowflake as a hexagon because it's so tiny but they definitely see it in things like flowers and you know you could be on a beach and looking at beautiful shell shapes and so on you start to see this pattern I think the final thing on the geometry which for me is so important is the geometry is also in us so when children see patterns in the world and then they relate them to themselves they start to realize that we are nature and for me, you know, coming right back to the beginning, this sense of disconnect, actually what we need to do with our children is help them to see that they are part of nature. And through doing geometry, you just get a really lovely sense of that. And it just evolves over time as you learn to see it more and more in yourself and in the world. 
Yes, yes, 100% agree with you on that aspect. And I love that you are sharing that with the world and that's part of your curriculum. It's very important to, to create connectivity in this way. And perhaps you could also share with us, um, you've got so many resources on your site for teachers. Um, I've seen one about this Antarctica resource pack. There's all different kinds. Maybe you could just offer or share with us some information that could be helpful around what how we could take steps towards more harmony. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So as you say, we have um, quite a lot of resources on our website and we're in the process of developing more and more. So we have these overviews of learning, which give you a project of learning, such as Antarctica, as you referenced. Uh, it might be on bees, it might be on the water cycle or rivers and, and water cycles. It might be on what do I need to be healthy? Lots of different projects that reference these principles of harmony as well. And then alongside that, we're developing resources now. So in fact, we've just brought someone into our team who's going to help us with units of learning on geometry. So we'll have lots more of them coming out over the over the next few months. But I think also coming back to this point of, you know, community and partnerships, we're very clear that harmony is almost like a glue. It's about bringing things together and, and connecting and sticking them together. So, you know, we're not trying to produce all the resources that everyone needs because we know there are fantastic organizations out there who already have material that we can access or or promote so we're really keen on this idea of developing projects uh, where we partner with people so the antarctica inquiry has a lovely resource pack that's just coming out this week uh, with an organization called reboot the future and reboot the future are doing great work on a campaign called very simply we are antarctica so we've had this great journey with them to create this material and as i say it's just about to be signed off and and shared and you know we're trying to do as much of it as for free so you can just download it and use it um, and i think the other thing is we're now starting to accredit schools so we want schools who are starting to develop this harmony approach to learning to then uh, come to us and and explore an accreditation so that we can make them a harmony school and and all that's saying is learning in a meaningful way learning in a joined up way and creating this real sense of purpose in what they do yes i love that you've got it accessible for everybody depending on where they're at and that actually schools can actually take this um seriously and and use your um use your project as a way of being accredited so that it is actually embodied as part of the official curriculum because I know that's where we still are at in the world at this moment and I know in the future this will be changing it's already starting to change I've seen so many different um, developments of different types of education especially since after the pandemic when a lot of the schools were closed and people were like well what do we do and wow there's been a birthing of all different kinds of um projects and people that I've discussed with um, on our podcast, A New Paradigm of Education as well. But I really love that you're able to offer this to people that um, and to bring that into schools because it's necessary. It's like, you know, it's 100% necessary and needed in education. There's no other way. Like the old way is it's just not working. It's not applicable. So we're needing to connect our education to real life. And I love that it's linking it back with nature because nature is ultimately the place of learning, isn't it? It's our playground. <laughs> I get all excited with the word nature. So No, you're so right. And it is changing. And I think we have to help people see how that change is not going to be too difficult, actually. 
Um, I mean, I would say that, you know, developing a harmony curriculum in relation to what you're doing is really just a shift of, of focus or of thinking or of, of application. So sometimes we can see that schools really get it very quickly and they, and they go with it very quickly and they embed it and they develop it. And then they kind of take it forward in fascinating ways. And one of the things we love is, is when schools come back to us and say, you know, this is how we've explored it. And it maybe wasn't quite what we were thinking, but actually it seems to work really well for them. And then there are other schools who need more time. If you like, need their hand held a bit more. And, and that's, that's fine too. I think, you know, like any learner, some people get things very quickly and then go with it. And other people just need more time to understand it uh, and make it work for them. So, yeah, so the application of it and the adaptation of it to make it work for a school in whatever, whatever place, whatever country, you know, our work is in so many different parts of the world now. And I think for me, that's what's exciting because we learn so much from seeing how it's being applied in different places. Mm, definitely, definitely, because, um, yeah, education is different in every setting, every place, every every aspect of the world. So, yeah, I, I hear you on that. That's, that's brilliant. Um, I'd love to ask you a question that I ask all of our podcast guests that come on and I love hearing the answer because they're all so diverse and so beautiful. Um, so what is your vision for a new paradigm of education? I think we need to broaden our measures. So our measures are very much around data right now. And we need to, coming back to this word balance, we need to balance the, the measures of assessment and so on with something that's about our, our young people and their worth and their value and their well-being. So how do we make sure that that is given as much uh, validity as, as the other side? Um, I think similarly in learning, I think we, we need to join learning up more. I think we need to make it more relevant to children uh, about their world, st starting point about their world. And then as they get older, starting to move beyond and into the wider world. So the more, we can, you know, ideally in a in a joint effort, we can start to really make sense of things and join them together. Then I, I think the more learning will will have resonance for children and of course for teachers. And you know, I'm very conscious at the moment that teachers have a lot on their plate. They're managing a lot of things, head teachers too, and 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 school leaders. So whatever we can do to support that process is critical. And uh, I don't think we should underestimate that. You know, there's a there are lots of exciting opportunities, but on the other side, there's a there's a reality check as well that, you know, a lot of people in education right now are not finding it easy. And so how do we give them the support they need to take them, as you say, to this new paradigm that that feels, you know, hopeful and positive and full of energy and 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 so right. You know, we I think intuitively we know when things feel right and this need to change is the right thing for us to do now. Thank you for sharing. And I really believe a new paradigm of education is here at this moment. And what I'm saying is it's it's been birthed. Um, we've already seen that from the generations of the past of people who have been wanting to create waves of change. And I feel like, as I mentioned earlier about the pandemic, it was sort of a wake up call for a lot of people around the world to sort of say, well, what are we doing and how can we create more purpose and intention? And that also goes into education. Well, what is education any, anyway anymore? And so what I have seen is like, it's not this sudden like landing of this new thing, like boom, like here we are, like it's like just little gradual baby steps, like 
different projects like your project and you know other people who are also creating projects or even people you know in their own homes like parents in their own homes they may decide okay I'm going to meditate for five minutes a day because I know if I'm in regulation then my children are in regulation the same for educators maybe I'm going to instead of staying up late at night doing paperwork I'm going to go to bed early like it's just like all these little steps of like small changes and then collaborating with other people and I feel like it's going to um it's just going to continue and continue. It will become normalized and and people will, it's almost like part of um, health. Like how could it, how could I not look after myself and how could I not embody this? Um, because this is what is needed for education. That's, that's my view on it anyway. No, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, it is definitely starting to happen. And I think what I see with, with the work of harmony and the principles of harmony is that these principles are universal, eternal principles of life. So as you said earlier, you know, this kind of stuff, this understanding has been around for a long time. So we're really reconnecting people to a deeper understanding of, of, of our place in the world and and an understanding of how that world around us and, and in us works. So I look at, you know, a lot of the sustainability agenda and it's fixing problems because we've created a lot of problems. Mm. And that's we do need to do that. We know ultimately we've got to create the actions that will change things. But I think we need to come from a different place. I think if we just come from the place of trying to resolve what we've got wrong, we're, we're not going to understand actually what we need to do to create the right conditions in the first place. So these principles of harmony, which feed into projects of learning, I think just really help children and young people grow up with an understanding of how things are and then how they want their lives to live in accordance with that yes exactly exactly who doesn't want to have you know harmony in education <laughs> you know it sounds beautiful doesn't it like rather than okay let's focus on something else let's focus on harmony let's focus on you know happiness and you know learning can be fun and easy and natural you know and connected and in accordance with nature I just yeah I really love your project and it just gets me excited and I start thinking of all my own ideas as well <laughs> of what I could create as well um, so how could people reach out to you or the Harmony Project if they're wanting to link with you? Yeah, we're really open to people contacting us and uh, hopefully, you know, through this podcast together, uh, people can be aware of the work and the website and, and there's a, a contact on the on the website too. And we're very interested in people's understanding of it and exploration of it. So it's not a you know, rigid format. It's not like saying you, this is how we do it. And this is how you have to do it. It's a framework for a way of learning. It's a guide uh, and a process. And actually for us, what's interesting is the way it's interpreted and understood in different places. So different places around the world will, will see it, or even different places within a particular country will see it differently. And I think for us, that's the richness of it. And uh, how, how, I mean, it comes back to this diversity principle uh, we want things to to develop in a diverse way. That's what makes life so rich. So how do we how do we give people the the guidance that they need, but then the space and the freedom to develop it in their own ways? Yes, thank you for sharing. And I totally resonate with everything, and I can never even add on to it because you just explain it all so brilliantly. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> Um, so my final question is, um, I just read something about your Harmony Foundation in the Ukraine in response to the war. Um, mm. I think that's amazing that you're able to support so many different kinds of communities. Would you just share something about that with us, please? 
Yes, I will. And it's a, a really special project because we are in regular contact every week with a group in Ukraine and in Kyiv in particular. Mm -hmm. And of course, as everyone knows, they're going through an incredibly traumatic time uh, and they are in, they're remarkable people, resilient, strong, determined, and they believe deeply in their connection to their land. So, you know, they're they're fighting for their land and for their people. And that obviously has a lot of casualty and a lot of fallout. And the people we're working with are doing two things, really. One is the the inner harmony element, if you like, uh, because a lot of people are very traumatized and, and deeply affected by what has happened during the war. So the people we're working with are doing meditation, uh, quiet time, you know, deep, deep meditation with these people to help them to cope with all the trauma that they're experiencing but in a more positive i mean that's positive of course but in in a more hopeful way shall we say around the future we're also working with schools now to develop uh, one school in particular but others are now interested in developing what we're calling a harmony curriculum where they're starting to, to understand these principles and and what they mean for their future so what they're seeing and what we're kind of i suppose germinating is out of this terrible war, a real sense of hope that they can create something that is about harmony. We know harmony is a really difficult thing to achieve, but if that's your aspiration and that's your goal, then that's how you'll want to live. So for all the conflict and the, and the terrible things that have happened in the war, if the next generation have a really strong sense of wanting to live in harmony with each other, with their neighbors in the world, with nature, then you know, that's a hugely encouraging thing. And I think they they hold on to that a lot. And we're just really humbled and honoured to be working with them. Yeah, wow. Thank you for sharing, yeah, that piece of work. It's just so necessary uh, for those people. And it's brilliant as well that they can all be together and be learning something that is, yeah, positive and beautiful and, um, yeah, in accordance with nature and I also believe that this kind of um you know catastrophes in life do create harmony in the end because people are seeking that even more strongly than if nothing had happened so there even though there has been this this the the the, the impact of the change will probably be greater in the future and so yeah I just want to say thank you it's not you know it's not up to me to say thank you but I want to say thank you for that because I feel like it's really important work that you're doing and I really, really honor all of your work for the Harmony Project. It's just, um, yeah, so humble and so incredible that you can serve so many different kinds of people around the world. Well, thank you for saying that. And I think what we've found to be so fascinating in the relationship with Ukraine is, you know, we started a conversation well over a year ago and, and we have stayed in touch every week since then. And initially, of course, it was pre the war. So we were talking about all the ideas of things we were going to do together. And then it had this, you know, massive reality check of, oh my goodness, things are really changing. And, and we have to uh, put what we want to do into perspective here because it's, it's not going to work. But actually over time, we've come back to it and realized that there's an opportunity. And I think, you know, what we're seeing in Ukraine is in the news every day. People read about it every day. And so there's a great opportunity to share a message with the world, which is really what they want to do. So, you know, watch this space. I'm not quite sure how it's going to evolve, uh, but I spoke with them yesterday and they definitely want to find opportunities to 
talk in a very positive way about what they want to see in the future out of the tragedy and the trauma of what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah, well, we can always uh, follow you through your project and, and see how that's all evolving. So thank you so much for coming on our podcast, A New Paradigm of Education today, Richard. Thank you, Monique. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you and to talk with you about this really important element of our lives, the education of our children and young people. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners who have been tuning in today to a new Paradigm of Education podcast. We're all the co-creators of this as we create change together. So I'll finish with the famous quote by Mahatma Gandhi, which is, be the change that you wish to see in this world. Thank you. Thank you.